So you've heard of our four C's towards stress-free financial decision-making, clarity, control, competence, and contentment. Today we are going to explore how you might be able to find confidence in a world that seems to be constantly grabbing at your wallet. So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, be able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Welcome back to the Smarter Vet Podcast. My name is CJ Burnett. And my name is Tom Seco. Take a second and think about what does confidence do for you? Like, how does it change how you live? How does it change how you make decisions? How does it change how you even approach problems. And today we're going to be talking more about how to find confidence in this financial arena that seems to be so stressful to a lot of veterinarians. Now building a house or any kind of structure to whether it be a house, whether it be a fi- your finances, first it takes a design. The second thing is laying the foundation. And then the third is now adding the walls and putting the roof and and all the decorations and and polishing, getting the details done. Many people plan their financial lives by building the walls and roof first without seeing the design or noticing how to build a strong foundation. Now, I I blame marketing, I blame financial entertainers for really throwing out information into on Google or in videos or in podcasts that they're doing that really distracts people from the principles that allow them to build a foundation that can provide the confidence that allows them to move forward. No matter the time in your life, these five foundational steps that we're going to talk today will help give you the most control and allow you a certain degree of certainty when making financial decisions. So take a moment to think for a second and ponder on how do you currently make your own financial decisions? When you're going to contribute money or gonna purchase something or you're looking to buy a house or whatever the case is, what what is your decision-making process around that? And a lot of the times when we talk with people, they tend to not really have one. And when you think of it, you know, if you are someone who works for a corporation or a business that has a 401k, you know, what made you decide to start contributing to it? What was the the driving factor behind it? I know, I know for most people, it's probably like, like their mom did it. Yeah. Sometimes like their parents did it or their, their coworkers are doing it. So they feel like, well, if everyone's doing it, then why shouldn't I put money in my 401k or whatever's available through work? Right. Well, and then there's a 401, there's a match where there's the automatic contribution. So there's, there's good sides to it, but you know, how did you decide to do that? Or did you decide um, when you got life insurance or if you have life insurance or not, do you like, what made you buy the amount you purchased? Or how did you determine to go with the company that you went with or your, your disability insurance coverage? This is something that people constantly buy and they tend to not know what it does or how it helps them. And uh, that's one part of it. Like, how did you determine your coverage? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because with life insurance, it's really easy to know when the claim pays out, like you're, like you're dead or not, right? We've, we've said this before, but with disability insurance, it's like, what does the contract say? Like how, how disabled do you have to be in order to go on claim? And most people, they know a little bit about it, but they don't know enough where they have, at least when we meet them, they don't have a lot of confidence in the language and the policy. So what about your strategy to pay off debt? 
And this is something that is a very, very hot topic these days in the veterinary community. And it's something that it's like, how do we go about doing it? What is your strategy? Do you have a strategy to pay off debt? Or are you one of the people that are just taking every little extra dollar that you have and throwing it towards your debt? Do you know what could happen to your plan in the event that you have a, a severe accident? Like what will happen to the rest of your life? How prepared are you? So, you know, one thing is we always throw out there is an umbrella policy. Oh, you're talking about car accidents. Yeah, car accident. An umbrella policy, it's not the one that keeps you dry from the rain. Sometimes people actually think of that. It's a, it's considered a, a property and casualty coverage. It's offered through auto and homeowners insurance. But do you have one or have you, if you bought one, how did you determine the amount or the coverage limits that you have? Uh, and then at the same time, how much money are you saving as a percentage of your income? Do you know? And if you are saving money, where are you saving it and how did you determine that? And the way you can calculate how much you're saving is just taking the number that you save, like do you save $4,000 per year, $5,000 a year? And we're not talking about savings. Like if you save $20,000 and then you spend $20,000 on a car, that's very different than what we're, we're talking about savings for your long-term plan. Right. You, If you save money and then spend it on a car, that means you're not saving money. So we're talking about like how did like how much are you, start, start thinking, really get a calculator out, the number of dollars that you save per year and divide that by your gross income. And that's how much of your savings rate you have going on. Right, and, and think of it, it's the money going towards your future self. Like your future self is relying on you to make good decisions today. So if you don't know where that number is, that's a, something you really wanna find out. And these are a lot of common questions and things people are always asking and wanting more clarity around, which previously we we're talking about how to get some more clarity around these different aspects in your life. And um, as we get a little bit further down here in conversation, we're gonna talk more about what are five foundational steps that you can implement. No, I, I will say this, we, we see a lot of people that have a lot of confidence in what they're doing until they're talking to us about it, right? So it's really, so the things that we're asking you, like if you go, you might have a lot of confidence that you're on the right track, but I really beg you to take some of these questions, really find out how much you're actually, so some people think they tell us that they're saving 20% of their income, and then whenever we calculate it, it's more like, you know, seven. So just to be aware, like I really hope that this, provides some direction for you to even start looking at like do you have a, a sense of confidence that is false where you know you you kind of know like you maybe you have an umbrella policy but you're not really exactly sure the the amount of coverage it is or you're not even sure if you have uninsured motorist on it uh which some states don't even allow you to have it but but if you you know like do you have it uh, does your state allow it like if you don't know the answers to these questions it should bring an element of uncertainty to you and provide at least a little bit of, uh, of an action item for you to go figure it out, right? So you wanna, we, we hope that you're examining your own stuff as we talk about these things to see if the level of confidence that you have is the level of confidence that you should have. Absolutely. And the best thing you can do right now is start asking a lot of questions and get very curious about your financial life because that's the first place to start with getting confidence. Uh, there's so many things that you know, a lot of these areas in our finances, they seem very simple. They seem very common sense. Many people do not actually apply them. And, and the whole aspect of where even with repaying off debt is a big conversation that comes out there of, you know, what, what is my strategy and do I have a focal point? Am I keeping consistent to it? Because over time, confidence gets built up from having solid direction. And I also do have a consistent behavior that I've established over my time, over my life. So each, each one of these decisions that we make, they have a huge ripple effect. Everything from the debt that we borrow, where we save money, 
how we protect ourselves, uh, the trips that we go on, the uh, when we have a family, the houses that we purchase, like all of these things have an ongoing ripple impact. So let's go through the five steps again. Like we, I think we've done it before in podcasts. Maybe we haven't. Let's go through the five steps again just to talk about how control comes about. Because through control, like when you know that you have control, then oftentimes it provides the confidence that we talk about. Right. So those five steps. So the first one we always want to look at, number one, is getting organized and perform triage on your financial life. So all of you who are in the medical space, veterinarians, vet, veterinary technicians, whoever's listening to this today, uh, you know what triage is. And that's a component of like, if we want to prioritize things, how do we know which decision we should be making first? The biggest challenge is that a lot of people don't know where to start to get organized. How do I do it? Where do I, what should I be organizing? And it all starts simply as, for any of you who are not familiar with a balance sheet, you should go back and maybe go online for a moment and look at a balance sheet. It's, it's an accounting term. So for any of you who are not accounting nerds, it's fine. Uh, we tend to geek out on that all the time when it comes to that information. But getting organized to really understand like, what do you have in assets? What do you have in liabilities? Do you have more liabilities than assets? And I'm sure some of you who are listening, that might be the case. But then how much money do you make? How much money do you save? How much are you paying towards protection, towards your debt repayment? How much auto insurance coverage do you have? Are you, uh, do you have legal documents, a will, living will, power of attorney, all those different things. It's, it's interesting the amount of times that we talk with people and we asked them, do you have legal documents in place? And most people, I would say, CJ, they would say, hey, uh, I don't have any legal documents. It's been something we've been working on and wanting to get together. So step one is getting organized and perform triage. Now, the second part of that is becoming fully protected. What do I mean by fully protected? We're talking about insulating your balance sheet and your, your income from the risk of loss. Can't tell you how many times we've heard someone's financial plan going perfectly for years and years and years. And then because of one event that they couldn't control at all, whether it be an illness or an auto accident or something has completely interrupted the financial plan that they're on. So when we talk about that second step of getting maximally protected, it's, it's really just understanding and knowing what protection do you have? What's out there? How much cash flow should be designated from your income in order to protect you fully? Like what, what is that? What is it going to demand from you from monetarily in order to create that moat around your castle? So number three is establishing the habit of saving like a world-class saver. So big fancy term, world-class saver, like what does that mean? In our world, we look at saving 20% of our gross income, 20%. Some of you might be sitting here like that is crazy. Saving 20% gives us the most control in our financial lives because we can rely less on the investment markets. We can rely less on the economy. We put more control in our hands. And the national savings average, if you ever get a chance to look it up, it's a lot less than 20%. And most people, you know, they live off a certain amount of their income and they're not saving nearly enough to get to the part where they can have that financial independence in the future. Where you save the money, that is something for another conversation. But having that habit of saving 20% is the most important part of it all. So we tell people to aim for 20% of their income knowing that they're probably really going to get 15 because like roofs have to get replaced, kids have to get through college. Aiming for 20, you know, is kind of overshooting it so that you have margin in your life that if something does happen, you don't undersave, right? In fact, because if you aim for 15, you're really probably going to get 10. Some years you might not be able to save at all. So if you aim for 20, and you hit it most years, the probability of you building enough wealth 
to be able to be financially independent dramatically goes up. One thing that we do know is that if you aim for nothing, you'll hit that every time. Step number four is building liquidity. What's that word liquidity? You'll hear finance people use that word a lot. A lot of you listening don't really know what that is. Liquidity is the speed in which something that has value turns into cash. So an example would be real estate. If you tried to sell your house, it probably doesn't sell in a day or two. You have to put it on the market, you have to wait for somebody to come by and see it, you have to wait for them to put in an offer, you go under contract, then they go through mortgage underwriting. Before you know it, it's a two, three month ordeal to actually sell your house. So real estate is not considered to be liquid. Another thing that's not considered to be liquid is retirement accounts if you're you know, if you're, I'd say five years or more out from retirement, so you know, a 401k or retirement accounts, you don't have access to them until 59 and a half. So if you're young and you're putting money in a 401k, it's not very liquid because if you pull the money out, there's more than likely going to be taxes that you're going to pay and a 10% penalty on top of that. Is there, is there a certain amount of liquidity that you would suggest people should have? So we talk about having one year's worth of liquidity that does not mean one year's worth of cash. That means right. one year's worth of access to cash potentially. So if you have an investment account that is in a brokerage account, let's say, it's not in a retirement account, but it's invested in, it could be like even invested in the same stuff that your 401k is invested in, it's just in a brokerage account. The There is the potential for you to sell those investments should you need them and use the cash. If something really, really dramatic, have horrible happen, right? The economy's falling apart or maybe you lost your job. It's any of those kind of assets, CDs, money market accounts, like anything that you have access to quickly, and I would say quickly probably within five business days, is what we would consider to be liquid. Right. And just to add to that real quick as well, that there are a lot of opportunities and things that we're going to want to capture along the way. So if you want to buy a business or you're looking to purchase a home or get married at some point, those things you might want to have cash. Like that's something that's very important to have. So, Or if you're having a baby. Or you're having a baby. I highly recommend keeping a lot of cash on the sidelines if you're having a baby. Right. And so to come down to the fifth and last step that we have here is to make sure you have a strategy in place to pay off all short-term debt. And that's everything excluding a mortgage. I mean, some of you might look at your short uh, your student loans and say, yeah, that's, that's definitely not short-term. And I get it. It definitely it's, it might be there for quite some time unless you have the capability of repaying it. Uh, but the main part is like if you're going to pay off your debt, create a strategy and stick to it. The worst problem that you could get into is that you bounce around from how you're paying your loan. So for like an example, um, just a conversation I had not too long ago with someone is that we took all of their, their debt and looked at how much they're paying towards it. And I asked them, hey, how much are you paying each month towards your, your, your balances? And what is the amount of interest that you're paying and how long is it going to take to pay them off? And by default, most people, they have the same answer there. They say, I don't know. I have no clue. So if you don't know how long it's going to take to pay off your debt, well, that's a very good starting point. And you want to make sure you pay it off and keep it off. So when we look at all five of these steps here, as you can see, debt becomes the last step of them all. And if we were to look at most people in their financial lives, we'll tackle debt first. Why would you say that most people are going after their debt first, EJ? By and large, 100%, I would say, I can't say 100%. I have to say kind of. Like, so there's, so not everybody. A high probability. I would say high, it's a high probability that if someone's going after their debt first, 
It's really because they hate it. They're, it's, I mean, it's definitely an emotional decision. Like debt sucks. Debt hurts. Having debt on our balance sheet where it's like demanding a piece of our cash flow every month, it's like, you know, just this, it's this nagging younger sibling that's constantly in your room taking your stuff. It, it, and you can't seem to get rid of it. You think, well, one day when my debt's gone, then I won't have this payment anymore. But I would say that oftentimes trying to pay off the debt faster than you should is very similar to trying to run faster than you can. If you run faster than you can, eventually your legs get tangled and you end up face. It sounds painful. Yeah, face on the pavement. <laughs> it's, it's definitely painful. I, I'm speaking from personal experience. I have tried to keep up with people who are faster than me and I tried to outrun them and I outran myself and that I just don't, I don't recommend doing that. So sometimes paying off debt is very similar where you try to throw all of your cash at it and then you end up with your face on the pavement. I don't think it exactly works out that way, but I think, I think it you could know, figuratively. It's kind of like <laughs> it's if like, someone comes, I don't have any cash, my face is on the pavement. Well, it's, it's kind of like if someone comes between you and tie your shoelaces together and you're not expecting it and you take the step and you're like, oh. Fall on the ground, you, face first. You say that as if that was from personal experience. <laughs> no, I've never actually had that experience. That's good. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay. So, yeah, the, the, the fifth step we always look at is debt being the last one. And and when we go through the process of this, one thing... Oh, wait, 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 wait. So if we put the fifth step before any of it, Tom, Yep. if I make debt the priority, what does that mean about number four? So like, why do I have, like, why do I have debt to begin with? Well, most people have debt because they've just don't have any cash. It's big, yeah, because they didn't, like, if you don't have the cash on hand to pay for the car, you don't have the cash on hand to pay for your education, then the only other option you have is to take on debt. So number four was building liquidity, right? Right. And number three was saving. So if we put number five above saving, if I pay off debt before I save, what could that do? That effectively means that number four wasn't happening, that there was no liquidity, and number three was impossible. Like we didn't save. We either, you know, now if you're young and you take on student loans, it's different, right? Because you didn't have the time to save. That's why these institutions are willing to loan you a lot of money to go to school because they recognize that you you're just going to have to pay it off after you start working. You're going to have an income. And so they're betting on the fact that you're going to be able to get a job, make a lot of income, and be able to pay off all that debt. So you know, just to kind of wrap, put it on a pretty little bow on it, like number five, the reason why we put number five in where it's at is because of those reasons. And, and most people will, will say to us too, they're like, well, once I pay it all off, then I'll start saving, then I'll start building liquidity. And could you tell me, if you were to be real with yourself right now, let's say you're one of those people at this moment, could you be real with yourself and say, well, in five or 10 or 15 years, however long it's going to take, that you're gonna be able to consistently save those payments and that nothing else in your life is gonna change. Like you're not gonna have a new house or a different lifestyle that you want. You're not maybe gonna have a different, like more children or have a child. Can you tell me that none of that's gonna change? And the problem that most people run into is they, they get to a point in their life and they're just, they're so far behind. So if we can create structure to go through five these five, just to reiterate them for all of you who are listening. You know, the first one, we wanna get organized, perform triage. Second one, become fully protected from anything that's out there that's unknown to us. So a lot of it's, some, sometimes it can be insurances, sometimes it can be more of documents. Uh, create the habit of saving like a world-class saver. Build up liquidity, number four, build up liquidity for opportunities and so you have some flexibility in your life. 
And then five, create a strategy to pay off your debt. Really stick to it and pay it off in a part where you're saving and paying off debt at the same time. This process, like these five steps, sounds so easy. But I can tell you they're not easy. They are simple, but they're not easy. They're very hard, right? Simple and hard. But I wanna encourage you to always be taking these five steps and then going through and saying, okay, what is, if you're asking yourself, what is next in my financial life? You probably wanna write these five things down and say, okay, am I perfectly organized? Do I know everything about my financial life? Do I know how much coverage I have on all my insurances? Do I understand all of these things? Then go to the second one. Are you protected in the way that you should be? Call your auto agent, call your financial advisor, call your disability income person. Like, go find out. Third, how much, like calculate how much you're saving. Fourth, figure out how, like, look at your liquidity. If you've got $20,000 of liquidity on hand and you make 100,000, well then you're about $80,000 short of having one year's worth of liquidity, one year's worth of your income and liquidity. Look at your debt. Think about the strategy that you have that you have right now and make sure that all five of those steps are, are coordinated to some degree, but you go in that order when you're looking at making financial decisions. So if you're looking for a way to organize your finances, many ask us for a tool and we really haven't found anything else out there other than the living balance sheet. It's a web-based tool that usually only our clients get that aggregates a person's entire financial life on one sheet of paper. Not just your assets, not just the liabilities, but your cash flow and the protection as well. All you have to do is contact us through our website with your name and email in your message. Let us know that you want to get organized. And after we get your message, you will receive an email within a day or two with access to your own personal living balance sheet. No strings attached. This is CJ Burnett. And this is Tom Seco. Wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. CJ Burnett and Tom's world-class saver is a person who saves at least 15% to 20% of gross income. The living balance sheet and the living balance sheet logo are service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Copyright 2005 to 2022 Guardian. CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purpose only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. This material is intended for general use. By providing the content, Park Avenue Securities LLC and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The individuals associated with Florida Veterinary Advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals. Florida Veterinary Advisors is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. 2022-136406 expires March 2024.